You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. in the flesh so we have to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit and when we submit to the power of the Holy Spirit he begins the consecration process he begins to lead us and guide us and show us the more we submit the more he leads and the more he guides he brings things up to us this needs to go that needs to go Watch your mouth on this. Apologize for that. Do this. Do that. In today's message, Pastor Dave will encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus. It's one thing to confess and repent of your sins. It's another thing to submit yourself to what the Lord has for you. It may not be what you want or like, but God will always provide a way for you to make it through and for His will to be done. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ruth, chapter 3, as he begins his message, Midnight Rendezvous. So if you'll turn into your Bibles to Ruth, chapter 3. Now it happened at midnight that that the man was startled, turned to himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? She answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. For you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. As I was studying and reading, it starts a week ahead of time, like tomorrow. I've already read through chapter 3 two or three times, but then I start looking at it more intently even tomorrow. But there's the... I went to this one place and I found this information. I was fascinated by this, so I want to share this. There's a church in the city of Bethlehem. It's called the Church of the Nativity. And it was built upon the grounds where they believed that the actual stable was. The actual stable that where Jesus Christ was born, they they built this church. Within the walls of the church, there is a room. And in this room, they have determined somehow that this was the actual place where Jesus was born. Now, according to Jewish tradition, tradition, according to Jewish tradition, this room... I love it, was part of an ancestral home of King David. And before him, the home was occupied by Boaz and Ruth. As the tradition goes, when Boaz took his bride and started a family in this place, 
It eventually led to the birth of the Savior of the world, to the very, very same room which 1,100 years later, Christ himself was born. I find that to be fascinating. I find that to be fascinating. What does that tell me? It tells me that God's providential hand was at work mightily in the lives of these two people that we've been studying, Boaz and Ruth. And it tells me, as we look at this meeting now between Ruth and Boaz, it's recorded that the meeting took place at midnight, hence the name Midnight Rendezvous. But seriously, this Midnight Rendezvous had been arranged many, 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 many years before, in fact, probably before the foundations of the world by God himself. Long before Ruth accompanied her distraught mother-in-law back to Bethlehem. God's providential hand had been with the family of Elimelech. Even as they turned their back on the Lord and left Israel, the land of promise, seeking relief from the famine. God's providential hand had been upon them. And although we talked about it and it seemed and appeared to be a mistake for Elimelech, to leave God's protection and go to a foreign land, as we've read through these pages, we've become witnesses. And watch as the Lord now starts to work all things together for good. And we have a beautiful, beautiful picture here, as I said. He works all things together according to his purpose. Even when we walk away from his will and we walk away willingly, he will do all that is according to his will and to his purpose in your life. Fascinating fact. It is God's will that none perish. It is God's will that none perish. That's scriptural. But that all would come to repentance. See, God has always wanted the Gentiles to know him. It was his plan all along that Israel would be the light of the world and that Israel would show God to the Gentile nations. It was the Israelites who refused to do that. It was the Israelites who didn't take up their responsibility. So, God now takes an innocent Moabite, a foreigner to the Jews, a woman who was far from God, who was far from the covenants of Israel, a stranger in a strange land. She was without hope. She was out without the one true God. But God, through his divine grace, he brought her near to himself. And he blessed her. Blessed her to the point where you know that she is now in the lineage, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ himself. For she is the great-grandmother to King David. She found favor in the fields of Boaz, gleaning during both harvest barley and wheat. She found protection and she found sustenance. But even more than that, she found her goel. Remember the Hebrew word goel, kinsman, redeemer? So now, she was going to go to him and present herself to him and ask him to do everything for her according to the law of God. It was her right to do so. It was her right. 
Ruth had followed Naomi's instructions and prepared herself to meet her kinsman redeemer. Ruth told Naomi in verse 6, all that you say to me, I will do. So she submitted herself to the instructions of her mother-in-law. She washed herself. She anointed herself. She changed her clothes and now was standing at the threshing floor. This is nothing more than an act of consecration on Ruth's part. Ruth was consecrating herself. What does consecration mean? It means a solemn dedication for a specific purpose. Ruth was concentrating herself so that she could meet her kinsman redeemer. We've been told to consecrate ourselves. But this is a very, very hard thing for us to do in the flesh. So we have to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, he begins the consecration process. He begins to lead us and guide us and show us. The more we submit, the more he leads and the more he guides. He brings things up to us. This needs to go. That needs to go. Watch your mouth on this. Apologize for that. Do this. Do that. He begins to mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus Christ because that is one of his major jobs. But we have to consecrate ourselves. We have to, to, to take a solemn and dedicate ourselves to Christ. Set ourselves apart. We must be prepared to meet him. We must be prepared to meet the bridegroom when he comes for his church, his bride. We must allow the Holy Spirit to take us to the threshing floor like we studied last week and rid ourselves of the chaff. The chaff. Throw the wheat and chaff in the air and the wind boom, blows the chaff away. The pure grain falls. Ruth was now prepared to meet and submit to Boaz on his own ground, the threshing floor. No woman was supposed to go to the threshing floor. It was a man-only place. Let's look at 6 through 9. So she went to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. After Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly, covered, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there was a woman lying at his feet, and he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Remember that Ruth had gleaned for herself in the fields of Boaz. She had gone out there and gleaned after the reapers and gleaned all the things that were left behind. But now, instead of gleaning for herself, she's at the threshing floor and she's ready to give of herself. We read that Ruth went to the threshing floor just as Naomi instructed her to do. This, again, as I said, was not a proper place for a woman to be. In verse 7, it says, Boaz's heart was cheerful. Why? Because the harvest time was supposed to be a time of joy. It was supposed to be a time of celebration. It was supposed to be a time of thanksgiving for what the Lord had done by giving them produce and giving them the grain. So naturally, his heart would be cheerful. The Lord wanted that way. In fact, read through Leviticus and Exodus, the Lord establishes feasts of the harvest. He established these feasts, and there were great times of festiveness. There were great times of celebration, celebrating what God had done. Isn't this what our Thanksgiving is all about? 
We celebrate this one day a year. We call it Thanksgiving, where we all gather and gorge ourselves with all wonderful treats and goodies. We're supposed to be thankful. But unfortunately, Thanksgiving has lost its meaning in this nation. Thanksgiving is just the day when the stores open late and stay open forever until Christmas. It's just a time now. There even some stores are beginning to open on Thanksgiving morning. So we've lost the entire value of what Thanksgiving was all about. I used to get in big fights at the school district when I worked over there. Sometime after Halloween, they'd start coming in with these Christmas decorations. And I would say, there are no Christmas decorations on my door until we've given thanks. I said, when Thanksgiving is over, then you can put a Christmas decoration on my door. But until that dawn, there are no decorations. Because I believe you have to give thanks. You have to give thanks. Well, Boaz is cheerful. He had eaten. He had drunk. And now it was time for him to lie down. We have to remember, too. It wasn't unusual for men to stay in the threshing floor and to stay in the threshing room. Why? Well, this was the time of the judges, remember? Anarchy reigned. There was wickedness everywhere. So one of the things that was, he was doing was sleeping to protect his harvest. So it was prudent for him to be there. See, what did I glean from this? Folks, we live in perilous times. We live in horrendous, perilous times. The Bible tells us that we are to be ever vigilant and we are to be watchful. We are to know the sign of the times. Jesus has commanded us to know the signs of the times, to know what's happening and to keep up with them, but to look for him. We're to keep our eyes focused on Christ and Christ alone. We're not even supposed to worry about the election, although it's our right and our responsibility to vote. But we're to keep our eyes on Christ. We're not to go looking for all other things, but we'll be looking for Jesus Christ. We must be prepared to meet Jesus at any moment. What does that mean? That means at any moment, our lamps must be filled with oil. When the bridegroom comes and calls and the trumpet sounds, we need to be ready. We need to be knowing. We need to be consecrated. What do you want to be doing when that trumpet sounds? Well, yeah, it'd be great if we were here. But what if you want one if we're not? What are you doing? Where are you? Well, come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, say, I always said that integrity is what we do when nobody looks. Man of integrity is what they do. What do you do when nobody's looking? Who would know? Well, God knows. God knows all. So Ruth comes in quietly. She goes to where Boaz is sleeping and she uncovers his feet and she lays down. It's interesting here is that at, in verse 10 of chapter 2, Ruth fell at the feet of Boaz in response to his gracious words when he spoke to her. And now here she is coming in and she's going to propose marriage. Ruth takes the position of a submitted servant. The servants were to sleep at their master's feet to be ready when the master called. If he needed something in the middle of the night, the servant slept at the master's feet. Ruth lay at the feet of Boaz. But you know I can't stay there. I have to go someplace else. Look at the feet of the greater than Boaz that we serve, Jesus Christ. John saw him walking and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One comer said, The Lord Jesus is the calm as he walks along the seashore. The Lord of the storm as he walks upon the waters. Yes, when we look at the feet of Jesus, what do we see? We should see piercings. 
but also we see feet that walked in the temple. We see feet that walked up the Calvary's mountain. And we see feet that now walk in heaven. Interesting story that I found. These things are great. There was a sculptor. His name was Thor's Walden. And he chiseled a sculpture of the glorious body of Jesus Christ. But due to the position that he had the body, it was impossible to see the Lord's face. There's a sign hanging on the sculpture that says, if you desire to see the face of Jesus, you must first sit at his feet. And as you sit at his feet and look up, it's only then that you can see his face. I love that. I love that. I believe with all my heart that there is no higher ground than the feet of Jesus Christ. Take a quick trip with me, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke. And when you get there, you'll probably understand why we went there. Luke 10 is a story about two sisters, Mary and Martha. They had a visitor at their house one day, none other than Jesus. And he came to the house. Martha was the workhorse. She did all the work. She was doing everything, getting everything ready and stuff like that. But Mary did something different. Let's read these verses, 38 through 42. Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. What was the good part that Mary chose? To sit at the feet of Jesus. She sat at the feet of Jesus so many times. We are so concerned with serving God. I got to serve God. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. Let's go. Come on. We're busy with activities. We got programs galore, all kinds of stuff. We're running around. We're all worried. We get encumbered by our services and we forget the better part. We don't sit at the feet of Jesus. We don't take time to sit at his feet. God help us that we don't fall in this trap of over-involvement in service to the extent where we don't have time to sit at his feet to worship him and to just gaze into his face and see his beauty. Oh, my. If you miss that, folks, if you miss sitting at his feet, I challenge you, take time to sit at our Lord's feet. Sit at his feet. Sit at his feet and you'll see his face. Ruth goes and she lays at Boaz's feet. Ruth was declaring to Boaz that she desired of him to be her spiritual covering in marriage. This was the gesture that Naomi had told her to do, and this is what it meant. <laughs> Can you imagine the look and surprise on Boaz's face when he woke up and found somebody lying at his feet? What? What was that? Perhaps he thought it was somebody coming in to steal his grain. 
You know, <laughs> there's been a lot of rude awakenings in the Bible. Adam went to sleep, woke up married and missing a rib. <laughs> Jacob woke up married to the wrong girl. In verse 8, Boaz is startled. He wakes up and he sees Ruth lying at his feet. Naturally, he says, who are you? This is an amazing scene. We can tell that Boaz was startled. Waking up in the middle of the night as he turned to sleep, knowing that someone was out there, but he wasn't sure. It was dark there. It was a dark place, the threshing floor. There wasn't much light in there. And since he was there to protect the grain against the thieves, it was quite a shock. But what a wonder when it was a woman. It's interesting the way Ruth answered Boaz when he said, Who are you? She never claims to be a Moab, the, the Moabitess. Whew, say that three times. She never claimed to be a woman of Moab. <laughs> what did she say? I am Ruth. And then she humbly says, Your maidservant. Ruth again shows this great humility and submission. She presents herself to Boaz as his servant. She is aware of her new beginning, so she's no longer associating with her old life of Moab. She's no longer associating with the old ways, the old gods, because now she's a child of the Most High God. She's a child of Jehovah. And she declares herself as such. You and I should not identify with our old nature. We should not identify with the old man. As Paul says, we're to put on the new man, but to put on Christ. The new nature we now have in Jesus Christ. We were once children of wrath, but now we are children of the king. And we should act accordingly as his children. We should declare ourselves that. But when she asked this question, she says, you are my relative. And she used that word, Goel. You are my kinsman redeemer. Take me under your wing. Now, the Hebrew word for wing can also be used for skirt. The phrase can also be called and translated, spread the corner of your garment over me. And this is very culturally relevant in this day. She was saying, I am a widow. Take me as your wife. I am a widow. Take me as your wife. In Ezekiel 16, God talks about Israel like this. In Ezekiel 16, in verse 8, when I, he's talking about Israel and his love for them, his love for Jerusalem. He says, God is speaking. When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed, your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine. You are the book of Ruth is a beautiful story of loyalty, redemption, and love. Both Ruth and Naomi lost people they deeply cared for, but still they chose to trust in the Lord's faithfulness, and God was faithful to provide just what they needed at just the right time. God is faithful still today, and He's working an incredible plan in your life. While you may only see the loss, He sees the beautiful future. 
Don't be afraid to trust him and step forward in his plans for you. He will bring you to the exact place you need to be. We're so glad you joined us today to study the book of Ruth. If you missed any part of this teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com today. Maybe today as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. If that sounds like you, please visit our website and click on the Jesus tab to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. It will answer some of your questions and explain how you can start a relationship with Jesus today. If you still have some questions or would like us to pray with you, please give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope you'll join us again right here on Assure Hope.